This episode of the Nocturnal Disney Podcast is brought to you by Palms and Parks. They are high-quality t-shirts and tank tops that have cool, fun designs that help show off your love for Disney in a unique and smart way. Visit them at palmsandparks.com and check out what their store has to offer. There's something there for everyone. The time is now on an evening very much like the one we are recorded on. Tonight's episode of Nocturnal Disney is somewhat unique. It calls for a different kind of introduction. This, as you may recognize, is a recorded podcast, still in operation, waiting for you. We invite you to listen through, because in tonight's episode, you are the star. And this show takes us directly to... The Nocturnal Disney Podcast. Thank you for joining us for episode 36 of the Nocturnal Disney Podcast. My name is Bryce. I'm here with Chris. Hi, man. What's up, everybody? It's good to be back. Indeed it is. Been two weeks. It's been forever. Very long time. And there's been so much that has so happened. So much crap. <laughs> we got so much to talk to in this show, guys. Real quick, you can join us on Facebook if you want to join our discussion. Search us on there and you can find us. You can email me at my email, which is Bryce at NocturnalDisneyPodcast.com. That's B-R-I-C-E at NocturnalDisneyPodcast.com. You can also find me on Instagram at the Nocturnal Disney Podcast, all separated by underscores. And Chris, my friend, where can they find you? You can catch me on Instagram. That's Chris Ruiz's co-host. And, you know, I just like posting pictures from behind the scenes. You can catch us over here screwing around on the booth and crap like that. Ever since the Hunchback of Notre Dame recast, Chris has been sending me Jack Black <laughs> in different positions, like different actors. <laughs> he sent me him as the Penguin. It was fantastic. That was good stuff. <laughs> we got a lot to talk about tonight, not the least of which is the Lion King trailer. We're going to talk about the Star Wars Episode Nine trailer. We're going to talk about the name. We're going to talk about a special little thing happening at the Hollywood Bowl, what the Russo brothers had to say about Endgame, we're going to talk about Hawkeye, Monsters at Work, Disney Plus, Extra Magic Hours, Bob Iger, Misner's Lounge, all kinds of stuff. And we're going to wrap everything up with Primeval Whirl and Cosmic Rays going under the knife and looking at the reviews. But for now, let's just jump into it. Let's go. Right, Chris, CinemaCon happened last week, and a lot of stuff got dropped by Disney. One of the best ones was the new Lion King trailer. <sighs> Have you seen it? Yes. Clearly you've seen it. I mean, yes, I've seen it like probably 20 times. Man, it is so good. It It's the, okay, like if you were to able to take Disney and being like, what is the best thing that they're good at, <laughs> right? Obviously taking your money. But besides that, this is like the embodiment of what Disney is as a machine, right? That is They fair. give you something when you're little that you love, you have nostalgia for. And then in a couple of years, when you have kids and they're <laughs> of the age that you went to go see the first Lion King, they produced a remake that is like, dude, I was just floored by that, by that trailer. 
Me too. That's actually why I want to be an uncle. So I can take my nephew or niece, whichever, to see these movies because I know they'll love them. No kids though, huh? Nay, nay. (laughs) I'll take them to go see Lion King. I don't want to take care of them. (laughs) Then I'll give them back. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I understand that. Oh, yeah, man. No jokes. (laughs) (laughs) Look, I thought the Lion King trailer was really, really great. I love the look of Zazu because I kind of just took it for granted that he was going to be blue. You know what I'm saying? And then the fact that he wasn't, I was like, yeah, okay. At first, it took me, I'm like, is that Zazu? That is probably Zazu, and I like it. Now, we haven't heard this, but I've been listening to a lot of people talk about CinemaCon, and they were saying that at CinemaCon, they got to hear John Oliver actually speak as Zazu. Oh, yeah? And it's great, apparently. Okay. Which is fantastic, because mm. clearly, Mufasa, the best. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You cannot mess with James Earl Jones. Nope. How did you feel about Scar? I liked it. Did you? Now, I know there's a couple of people who saw it who were like, eh. Like, yeah. I want him to have a black mane, and why isn't he, like, red? <laughs> I'm like, I don't think I've ever seen a lion like that. <laughs> right. You know, and I think that's what we got to really understand is that, like, you know, this is their attempt of a, quote, unquote, live action. Now, we know it's not live action, but they're trying to keep us faithful to animals as possible, right? Right. Now, the one thing I did wish they had done with Scar was made him a little more distinct because you look at the family tree in The Lion King in the animated movie, you can tell which one is Mufasa, which one is Scar, which one is Simba, no questions. But in this one, I feel like he just kind of looks like all of the other lions. I mean, you can, it's hard to even see his scar at some points. Right. I, but you know what? I kind of appreciate that. As someone who watches a lot of National Geographic, right. I like, you know, like watching programs on lions and stuff like that. And what's really cool is that you can tell Scar, for me, you can tell that he is Scar. You know, like right off the bat when he was talking and then especially when they showed his face for the first time, I'm like, yeah. that's Scar. Like, I, I didn't have a problem. I know there's a lot of people who were like, was that Mufasa? And like, first no, of all, that's no, not James no, Earl no. Jones. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, get it straight, people. But um, I appreciate that because when you see Scar as opposed to Mufasa, Mufasa has this luscious mane. You know, that's he's true, just he massive. He's, um, he's, he's like, when you think of a lion, that's Mufasa. Right. When you look at Scar, for me, you can... Like, I can tell there's a difference. He's thinner. His hair's a little grayer. You know, he looks a little more messed up. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and that's what I appreciate. Like, maybe in the movies, like, you know, you got to remember animation with the colors and stuff helps. Oh, But when you're doing the live action, you know, I don't want to necessarily see Scar as red and black. You know, I I appreciate the I wouldn't have wanted to see that either. Maybe they could have done, like, a deeper cut or something like that maybe something i don't know it's just maybe a little more pronounced like i was not confused i was like okay obviously mm-hmm. that's scar but there was also none of the distinguishing aspects of scar mm-hmm. that were like jumping out at you you know what i'm saying what i appreciated in that just the one scene where he sit, where he's sitting there and the hyenas are coming up behind him yeah what i appreciate about that is the fact the that ear, flip. ear flips yes because i'm like that's 100% what animals do like you know what i'm saying like I'm like, just that little bit of detail makes it so real, you know? Amen, dude. I love that ear flip. It made me so happy when I saw it. Yeah, I completely agree. Good. When that score hits Mm -hmm. and you can tell, like, 
you know, they had the wildebeest running and stuff like that. Yeah. It's hard not to kind of almost tear up a little bit and just be like, <laughs> I know what's going to happen there. It's I, coming. I know what's, I know what's going to happen. But that score, I, I don't know the name of the score of for that song. I don't know what I But that is my favorite song in The Lion King. Is, right. Is that, again, I don't know the name of it. But it's, understandable. It's, it's, the, it's in the middle of the trailer. It's that one. And it's a very pow- powerful score. But that's what gave it the feels, I feel like. You know what I'm saying? Right. And the scene where you see them walking and you see Simba growing. I mean, I know for a lot of people that was just like, you know, that was that was it. Take my money. Well, that's such an iconic shot from the animated movie. Yeah. Like they even made a statue of it in Animal Kingdom, and, and it's I a, want that, by the way. It's a it's a big statue. Like people actually go out and take photos with it. Mm. It's really big. It's really really cool looking. So to see that in the trailer, that was really cool, because that kind of tells me. Yes, we are going to get Hakuna Matata because we know that we're not going to get Be Prepared, which makes me sad because I really like that that song. I like Be Prepared, but it's like if you had to choose Be Prepared or Hakuna Matata, like you you got to go with Hakuna Matata. You know what I'm saying? So, it is far more iconic. It yeah. is in my show every single week, so you got to kind of give it to Hakuna Matata. But just seeing the transition and seeing the fade and the dissolve of Simba actually growing and becoming adult Simba. Like, oh man, that's that was really well done. Right. I I agree. What do you think about Simone and Pumbaa? I freaking loved them, dude. Yeah, just a little bit, but they were great. I loved them. Like, I thought it was really cool to see them in that scene that we were just talking about. And I was perfectly content, right? Mm-hmm. Perfectly content seeing them that that being done. But that's not all we got after it comes up and it says The Lion King, right? Mm-hmm. Boom. That that echo fades out, and then you hear a wimbo, a wimbo, yeah. and I'm like, oh yeah. my god! And then you see Pumbaa's hooves walking down the walking down the the pathway or whatever, and they <laughs> you see Timon singing on the back of him. Yeah. I'm like, yes, it was good. It that was made really me so good. happy. Well, what I loved about that trailer is the ending. Like it ends, and you think like that's it. But then it's like, no, these see these names? You like these names. <laughs> and even then I'm pumped up. I'm like reading the names as fast as the freaking score is allowing me to read them. But I'm right. like, this is quality, quality, quality. And I'm like, this is it. it. The way it ends is perfect. Now, again, what do you think about this? Because I've heard complaints from people who are saying this is a trailer that sells completely on nostalgia. And a lot of people, are, if anything, are kind of upset with that. And... Because, you know, they're like, well, this is going to be a a shot-for-shot remake. Because we do see a lot of iconic shots almost throughout the whole trailer. From Scar standing there and the hyenas coming from behind to the hyenas standing and watching the stampede run along. Mm -hmm. Lots of shot-for-shots that we've seen in the original series. What is your thought about that? But we also hear a lot of dialogue that we know was not in the original one. So we know it's not going to be a shot-for-shot. We've been told for months now that be prepared is not going to be in the movie. So it's not a shot for shot. As a matter of fact, I hesitate to think that there's going to even be a whole lot of music in the movie at all. Mm. Because this is from Jon Favreau, Mm. right? He did the Jungle Book. The original Jungle Book, it's a musical. The last Jungle Book had inexplicable songs in it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like just random songs thrown in. Yeah. 
And while I loved seeing Christopher Walken as a giant orangutan. I don't think many people hated that. <laughs> <laughs> I could not stop laughing. It was beautiful. Yeah. But my point being is the only other song that we hear in that movie is the bare necessities. And it's just Baloo kind of humming it to himself. Yeah. So I wonder if we're going to hear a whole lot of songs. But then again, Tim Rice and Elton John are coming back and writing more music for it. So. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe we're gonna get a whole, like a whole new musical. Yeah, I don't know, but I'm not really worried about the shot for shot. I think this trailer did what it's supposed to do, right? It's, I agree. It's man. supposed to just sell you on nostalgia. I mean, you can, you can fight it all you want. It's, it's a bloody good trailer. It's one to hook. It's meant to hook. I don't think it's meant to hook me and you, people who are already gonna go see it. Right. I think it's meant to really pull at the heartstrings of like the dad who comes home from work and who's just like his kids are like nagging him to watch the trailer and he watches it and he's like, okay, I remember that when I was little. Right. Like I'll take them to go see this. You know, like it, it, the, there's something about being familiar, but yet something new and fresh at the same time that they, that I think really works, you know? Dude, no doubt. No doubt at all. Cause you're right. I don't think that this trailer is for me and you. This trailer very much works for me. And even if it is a trailer all based off nostalgia, it still works for me. So I can't really tell you, yes, this is a good trailer to sell a movie versus no, it's... But then again, I know that Endgame has terrible trailers. So, mm. but I'm still excited for Endgame. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't think that these are necessarily the best trailers but as someone who likes the lion king mm -hmm. it's what i want to see now i tried to ask people who have never seen the lion king what did you think of the trailer here's the thing i didn't know those i people couldn't existed. find any yeah. i couldn't <laughs> yeah very rare so even if the trailer is based all off nostalgia that's all you're. That's all you're advertising to anyway. It's so it a doesn't remake, matter. exactly. You know, and and all all this thing I think is supposed to do is just show off how great number one, how great it looks, which, exactly, and it looks phenomenal. So good. Show off the Dude. new score, which I know for sure I'm going to be buying the soundtrack for this 110 percent because it you know it's it's the same music, but you can tell they added a little more stuff to it. Sounds a lot cleaner. Right. Um, so listen. I think this is just meant to make everybody fall in love with it, which I think it did. I think the majority of people are just over the, you know, over the moon about this trailer. And then when we go see it, it's going to be a lot like The Jungle Book where it surprises us in certain ways. Maybe our mind is thinking a certain way like we're going to go in, see it, and it might change. You know, like there's there and I always appreciate that. Cinderella, um Beauty and the Beast and uh Jungle Book all had changes and they were all for the better for it, you know? Right. I mean, I somewhat argue for Beauty and the Beast that some changes were a little bit too much. I didn't mind some of them, but it just got me on board. I love this trailer. Yeah, man. Me too. Me too. I, I, I could talk about this trailer all night. Me too. But we won't. We'll talk about another trailer. We'll talk about the Star Wars Episode Nine trailer. Yeah. Do you want to talk about the trailer first or do you want to talk about the name of the movie first? We could talk about the, the name of the movie first. All right. The name of the movie is going to be The Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. Now, for me, uh, I don't like this name at all. It's a name, so it doesn't really make a difference on whether the movie's going to be good or not. Right. But just in terms of like, oh, wow, 
I'm I have something to focus my excitement on. It's definitely not the name. You know what I'm saying? No. It's um, it's kinda eh. You know, and, and you know, to be honest, a lot of Star Wars movies are their titles aren't exactly the greatest, like the Phantom Menace is eh. Exactly. It's not the <laughs> you best. Know, Attack of the Clones. I mean, come on. <laughs> there's there's only a couple of titles to me that really kind of stand out. You got Revenge of the Sith, which is really interesting. You got the you had Revenge of the Jedi, which turned into Return of the Jedi, which isn't that big. Empire Strike Back obviously being the the crown jewel of it all, I think. I think so. Um Force Awakens, eh. The Last Jedi yeah. was at the very least um appealing. You know, for for those who don't know what the movie is about, you know, when when it came out, <laughs> you were like, "Okay. Right. right. Like, okay." And it's not as far as the title goes, it's not a bad title, you know. Exactly. I just think that there's going to be I don't know, this adds a lot of speculation to the movie that is going to essentially go nowhere. Yeah. Like I've hit, I've been hearing a lot of like different theories about it, like oh Ray is going to take up the name of Skywalker. That's stupid. Well then let's dissect the trailer a little bit. See if we can come up with something. Okay. Well, I did like the symmetry of this trailer with the first one from uh Force Awakens when Finn pops up on Jakku and he's breathing all heavy and he's like ah, ah and now Ray is doing that in this one. I'm like all right. I see what you and did then the there. the last one they're saying <laughs> you had uh Luke Skywalker telling you to breathe. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's breathing so heavily in this galaxy far far away. Sucking up all the air. The space balls are coming. <laughs> <laughs> if this is a training shot, that's really cool because I mean, The Last Jedi, we did see a lot of Rey training. She needs to train more. Like, we need to see her train more because she just does stuff right now. And you're like, okay, I, I'm I'm assuming you have training from before that we were just not privy to and you don't, for whatever reason, remember. But to see her doing this force jump flip over this TIE fighter, that's really interesting for a number of reasons. Uh, number one, I don't think we've... Have we ever seen a force jump in the movies? I mean, aside from like the flips and stuff, I guess we have had. Yeah, we? we we've had a couple of force jumps. I mean, you know, they're they're a bit clumsy. Not looking. like this. No, you. But they were especially known in the uh, and you had Darth Maul and right and Obi Wan. He did it, but like you know, they oh, they don't and, really show like the full like like one leap to another. Anakin tried it and he lost his legs and his arms. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I don't know. I don't think it's a training. I think no. we're past that. You I think, think that's you think that was the, the last error time. that has been these movies where it's like we fumbled in her training and it was like you know like I feel like the last movie with Luke Skywalker that should have been the training movie that I but whatever I can bypass that because I mean it is Kylo Ren's ship you can clearly see that that's his right that that's his ship so but do you think he is the one flying the ship I mean that's an interesting theory I didn't hear I didn't. I've never heard that that was or wasn't, you know? Right. And, and like I said, it could be a training sequence. I don't really think it is. Well, but it'd be it'd be interesting to find out. Well, my question- It's a cool shot, regardless. Oh, dude, it's a great shot. Yeah. But my question is, then, if it is Kylo Ren, why is he not firing at her? Because she clearly feels like she is under attack because she takes out her lightsaber. Mm. And it looks like she's about to cut the TIE fighter in half, which is- right. If that happens, dude, 
full marks, I will be very, very happy. Well, I think with Kylo, he's still the thing about the trying to reach her. Yeah, I mean, like you gotta like <laughs> you you want to beat them up, but you don't want to kill them. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so maybe like hitting her with her with a Tie Fighter, it'll knock her out <laughs> in Jedi terms. <laughs> That's like a punch to the face, I guess. I don't know. Um, I don't know. Maybe it's like Poe Dameron dressed up. Because, I mean, they show the gloves and the outfit. I'm yeah. like, but then again, that could be a shot from somewhere else in the movie. But I'm just thinking like, man, they went to the, the detail that Poe went or Poe or Finn would go in to be like, I'm going to look like Kylo Ren. So, <laughs> But what it, whatever, the, the shot is really good. And as far as, tra- like I said, as far as training goes, I mean, it could be. You know, I'm not willing to say it's not. Right. I really liked, it was a really quick shot of Kylo Ren giving a rock bottom to one of the Knights of Ren. Just wham, slant. It was great. He did it with a lightsaber, too. I know. A lightsaber <laughs> rock bottom. Uh, yeah, that was really cool. You you obviously see him starting to put the helmet together again. You know, right. I wonder and if they're going to go. I've heard theories about that, too, that uh-huh. that's not Kylo Ren. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Right. I think, you know, that's what these trailers are for. It's just meant for Star Wars fans to overthink things like we always do. Right. <laughs> um, I personally think it's the helmet that he just smashed. And they right. were just like, he's just putting it together. And he, they might do something interesting. They might add like a more Darth Vader inspired mouthpiece to it. Because, I mean, all, all we saw, I think, was just like the nose area, the eyes and the helmet. Yeah. You know, I don't know. But what I do love about this movie is the score. You have the Princess Leia theme song that obviously is very harkens to uh, Princess Leia and, and Carrie Fisher, obviously, for passing. Sure. And I really appreciated the, the her score. I love that song, you know? People always argue, like, oh, Star Wars is the best score in movies. Personally, I don't agree with that. I think it's Jurassic Park. Jurassic Park just hits me in a certain way that I love it. And as a Star Wars fan, I would say you're right. Well, thank you. I agree with Jurassic Park. But there is no denying Star Wars is a fantastic score. It is really very good. Mm -hmm. And so I don't think that even uh, anybody who even hates the movies of Star Wars could say, ah, the music sucks. Because you can listen to the music and not watch the movie and not have to deal with anything from the movie. What I kind of appreciate is you see some cool moments where Finn and you got uh, Poe and they're kind of together with Ray, which is like what we want. We want to see these yes. people together and interacting with each other because as much as of a remake as The Force Awakens is, I enjoyed it because of Ray and Finn interacting. Because they of have these, a good camaraderie. Right. And I think Poe Dameron, which is Oscar Isaac, he's a great actor. You got to use him a little bit more. You know what I'm saying? Like I would love to see him interact uh, with Ray. you know? 100% agree with you, man. Like, I I liked Last Jedi. I thought it was an entertaining movie. Canto Bite notwithstanding. No. I hated that part. No. But the other part that I really didn't like was the fact that they really didn't do anything with Poe Dameron. And yeah. I really like Poe. Mm-hmm. I think he's an interesting character. Yeah, the the what they had for him in the Last Jedi isn't that great, and that and but that's what's really cool because he was very like adventurous and like yeah. in the Force Awakens. In this movie, they kind of just like didn't know what to do with Poe, and that goes to show. I think in the original script, they had Poe dying in a Force Awakens. You do. Where do you think he was supposed to die? 
I don't know. I don't, they said that right. in The Force Awakens, he wasn't supposed to make it till the end, but he became such a beloved character. They obviously really liked using him, which is why I think in this movie, they kind of put him in there and they were just like, don't know exactly what to do with him. You know what I'm saying? I can see that. I can see that. I don't know. I think Oscar Isaac is a phenomenal actor, and I'm just happy to have him in a movie that I know I'm going to go to see, you know? Right. What do you think about Luke hearing Luke talk? I'm going to be honest with you, mm-hmm. it confused me a little bit because I liked Luke. I like I like Mark Hamill a lot, uh, a, a lot, so, a lot. I <laughs> would hope so. <laughs> but here's the thing. For, like, for me, since I was never like super into Star Wars, the very end, everyone's like, oh, that, that's Emperor Palpatine. Mm-hmm. That's Emperor Palpatine. Well, Luke Skywalker was talking just before then, and it sounds exactly like his Joker laugh. <laughs> nah. And I'm like, is freaking Luke Skywalker having a mental breakdown post-mortem? Like, what is happening well, in this movie? You know, you're not the only one who thought that. A lot of people who are watching the stream live were like, oh my gosh, is that is that is that you know Luke going bad? Which, yeah. how metal with Anna, but whatever. <laughs> it, it, would it would be awesome. Be, it would be so freaking metal. But let, since we talked about Sheev Palpatine, let's just get into that. If it wasn't for the fact that the emperor himself showed up on stage and everybody he flipped sho- out, he showed up right, right as the trailer ended, and just sat there basking in everybody, just going nuts that he was standing there. Because <laughs> I feel like he needed to be there because a lot of people probably wouldn't have got it. I think everybody would have been like, "Is that Luke? Is that Palpatine? It's just going to be a debate." Which Maybe should be the a route to go. That way, we're all just confused. But I think too, the hit that Star Wars took, as far as just the split and the and the division of Star Wars as fans, could probably needed this. Need this to be like, okay, this is kind of like a cement, and to have him be there and to be like, roll it again, and then he <laughs> dropped his mic. I'm like that. That's all he did. That's all he said. That that was all that was done. Like, and that's all you needed him for. Surprised to say the freaking least. Sure. I mean, we've been operating under the assumption for literally decades now that <laughs> he's dead. Yeah, you know, he was thrown into the engine of a spaceship that then exploded. And <laughs> it's really funny because there's some fan theories that were just like, you know, because one of the original fan theories in books was clones and that he mm-hmm. made clones of himself, which if you're a Sith Lord, why wouldn't you do Why that? wouldn't you? But then also, but then could you clone the force, like, like being force sensitive? Could you clone that? Well, this brings me to my next one. Well, then there is you go. that they were saying that, you know, the whole concept of Darth Sidious was the fact that he was learning from his master, Darth Plagueis, mm-hmm. and what was he trying to learn? To have everlasting life, to right. gain immortality. So, is there something like an overall arc? And that's what I kind of. That kind of like makes me go, I'm kind of excited because this could kind of in a way turn into Sidious's story. We thought it was about the Skywalkers. It could be just like a saga's base off of Sidious, <laughs> of basically on how he learned how to achieve immortality in a way that like, you know, we don't understand, obviously. Right. But I mean, could that be something, you know? So I don't know. I'm excited. I'm not saying like this is the greatest thing. It's obviously for me as far as a trailer goes, this is the only talking point for me. Yeah. The trailer didn't really do anything for me. Obviously, 
you know, we see Lando. And that was a, that brought a smile to my face, and right. I was happy. But as far as the rest of the trailer, it was just it was okay. It's it's a teaser, and there's really nothing you can do about it. They right. needed that at the end to really get me to be like, okay, all right, there there's the attention that you needed from me. You right know? now we have something to talk about. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Like as a trailer, I think it's fine. You know, no Lion King trailer though. Well, and that's that's really the thing. <laughs> they because... released the Lion King trailer, and then this a couple days later, I was like, eh. Got steamrolled. Yeah. Because for me, now obviously I am I got a little bit of a bias. I loved Lion King from Go, mm-hmm. and I've only just kind of recently gotten to Star Wars with Force Awakens. Well, as a Star Wars fan on my end, as right. a total complete Star Wars nut, I feel the same way. Yeah. But they're totally two different trailers too, though, you know? That's true. But at the same time, I think they both try to go for the one home run hit, and that's the nostalgia hit with right. the Palpatine laugh. Even if you go back to Lion King's teaser trailer, though, I feel like that was a much better put-together trailer than this one was. Yeah. You do have some interesting things going on with why is Kylo Ren slamming one of the Knights of Ren? Why is Rey flipping over a TIE fighter? I kind of think, though, is for the Lion King, we have the privilege of seeing it already. This is a remake. That's fair. They're not really probably too shy about showing a lot of scenes, you know? And, That's And they haven't been. They've showed some pretty cool scenes. With Star Wars, you kind of want to keep it under wraps for as long as possible, and I appreciate that. You know, they showed some cool clips. Um, I like the one where they're all on the speeder and you see C-3PO kind of freaking out. That was pretty sweet. That was pretty that cool. That was a cool shot. I really yeah. like that. And then the shot, too, of them looking at some wreckage. A lot of people were saying, like, that's part of the Death Star and stuff like that. That was a cool shot, too. And you see Poe, and I believe you see Finn there. Yeah. Really cool shot. The theories behind that shot are that Ray is going to the Death Star wreckage to get kyber crystals to fix her lightsaber. Right. That'd be pretty cool. Pretty I mean, you'd come into a vast quantity of kyber crystals if that were the case. Never ending, yeah. Exactly. All right, man. But, like, tell me your thoughts, though, on, like, the name. Like, do you have any thoughts on the name at all? <laughs> no. No, yeah. not really. I mean, there's a little bit, like, a five percentage of me that thinks that Luke might still be alive. Easily he can go ahead and be a ghost. I know. That's like the the, the theory that we all know. He's going to come back as the Force ghost and whatever. And right. I'm fine with that. But there's a little bit in me that still is like if, you know, because like we heard Palpatine's laugh. If he's going to be the big bad in this one or, you know, an over, you know, stretched villain, there's a possibility where we can see some really interesting stuff, you know. Well, I heard a lot of people saying like, they got a hold of Luke Skywalker's arm, and and that's what like the DNA of Ray is. So it's not necessarily his daughter, but like the chopped off arm of Luke Skywalker. That that's somehow a DNA that creates Ray. I've heard those theories. I heard that it's just an order, like the order of the Sky, order of Skywalker. Like, and it's just yeah. a, like you know a bunch of people calling themselves the Order of Skywalker, which is an interesting theory. Listen, what it comes down to is, like, I'm not going to... The trailer gives me nothing to speculate on. Right. So, I mean, I'm not going to really speculate until I see a little bit more. But the name is interesting, at least. It's not a good title, but as far as a na- <laughs> as far as just it telling you what it's, the movie is going to be about or whatever, it's, it's interesting, at least, you know? I hear you. I hear you. All right, moving on. One of my favorite princess movies that's come out is The Little Mermaid. 
I love The Little Mermaid. I love the music in it. I think it's a lot of fun. It's starting 30 this year. Did you know that? Nope. That's yeah. crazy. I know, right? That is nuts. And as a way to celebrate the 30th anniversary of The Little Mermaid, the Hollywood Bowl is putting on a, a special presentation of The Little Mermaid. Have you ever been to any of these movies in concert, Chris? No. Dude, they're really, really cool. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard good stuff about them. What they do is they rip the score out of the movie, so they just have you know, all the sound effects and the dialogue and all that kind of stuff, and then they have a live orchestra play the songs. That's sweet. That's really cool. Me and Jamie went to go see it with La La Land, and it was amazing. We was at the Strass Center. They're doing the same kind of thing with The Little Mermaid at the Hollywood Bowl, but they're actually having big stars come in to sing the parts as well. Wow. Right? So they have Leah Michelle coming in to play Ariel, mm-hmm. which she's the, you know, the star of Glee and all that. And I never really liked her. I never I mean, found I don't her... watch Glee, so I don't know who that is. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> I always thought she had really weird hands. Mm-hmm. Like, look up Leah Michelle hands. It's <laughs> it's odd. <laughs> that is odd, but all right. <laughs> but they got a lot of people playing these characters, man. They have Peter Gallagher's coming in to play King Triton. Eric is going to be played by Leo Gallo. I thought you were going to say Leonardo DiCaprio, and I was like, what? I know. That would have been, been a good nuts. get. That would have been a good get. I'm be honest. Yeah. But Christopher, this is the best one. Ursula, the Jack villain. Black. Jack Black. That would be great. <laughs> Your voice! <laughs> <laughs> it is not Jack Black. It is someone that I would put on that same level, though. It is one Mr. Harvey Firestein. Really? Yes. Wow. As Ursula? As Ursula. Wow. I mean, because the character of Ursula was designed around the concept of divine, I think, which is a drag queen from Key West. Mm. So it makes sense. Yeah. Looking <laughs> at it now. Yeah. Ariel. <laughs> Ariel. <laughs> oh, my God, Ariel. <laughs> I want your voice. <laughs> That might be the greatest thing Independence Day has ever given us. I mean, we're talking about it for the second time. (laughs) For those who haven't, you got to go look at it. It's so funny. (laughs) Oh, man. Like, that's really cool. I didn't even know that. I can take that back. I knew he could sing because he plays a yow in Mulan. Yeah, I didn't. Oh, okay. Well, that makes sense. Yeah, the little short one. Well, it sounds interesting, Bryce. Yeah, it's going to be happening on May 17th and 18th. And it sucks that it's only out in California. But, I mean, as far as, like, something that they're doing, that's really, really cool, yeah, you know? I agree. But if we move on from that, a lot of people have been speculating as, like, you know, Stanley died. How many times are we going to see him now in the movies, you know? And people have been saying, like, oh, he's filmed five or six movies in advance, so he's got cameos for years to come, right? Mm-hmm. Russo Brothers came out uh, this past week and said 100%, the last cameo for Stan Lee is going to be in Avengers Endgame. Mm. And it's going to be weird, you know? I mean, even going back to the Tobey Maguire Spider-Mans, I can't really remember Marvel movies without Stan Lee in them. So it's going to be a bit of an end of an era. Yeah. But 
at the same time, I mean, it's it's almost poetic that the last time he would be in a movie would be Endgame, the culmination of a 10-year vision brought about because of the characters that he gave to the world. You know what I'm saying? Right, yeah, it is it is poetic. And, and you know, there, this is another thing, too. Like, I mean, he could have other cameos, but the thing is, is, like, will it be as impactful as this? And, you know, as opposed to when they were recorded and all, all that sort of stuff, I feel like this could be a nice send-off. You know what I'm saying? And and I feel like maybe there are others where, where there's some credibility and truth to that, but maybe this is just Disney and saying, this is the perfect way to send it off. Because you know, this is a culmination of not just a movie period, but of a lot of people. We think that there's going to be some deaths in here, at least one. Oh, sure. We think that there's going to be some interesting stuff going on. So for everything to build up to this big climactic finale and it for for Stanley to have this as his last one, that's the way to send it out, you know? I definitely agree with you on that. Now, you and I haven't had a chance to talk about it, but have you seen Captain Marvel yet? No. All right. They have a tribute to Stan Lee in that movie. That's really nice. Mm -hmm. So you know in the Marvel logo when it's coming in and you have like the the sound of the comic books flipping, the pages flipping, and you you see Iron Man and Thor and Hulk and Captain America and they're all just flipping through and then it pans back and it says Marvel Studios. Mm -hmm. Well, they did the same thing, but they replaced them all. Instead of Iron Man and Captain America and Hulk, it's Stan Lee. All of his cameos from the movies. Mm-hmm. It was really cool. That's and really then sweet. it comes up, says Marvel. Then that fades out and says, thank you, Stan Lee. Yeah. And so I thought that was really cool. So I wonder if they're going to try to top that with this. I wonder if they're going to just say, you know what? We did that in Captain Marvel. Now in Endgame, we're going to go back to what it is. Well, I don't think is. you're going to get the top there. I think it'll probably be the same. But I think that ultimately, whatever scene, whatever cameo he's in, I feel like it's going to be maybe a little bit more impactful. Right. You know what I'm saying? Got maybe. a little more meat to it. Yeah, so maybe his cameo isn't going to be so much him yelling at somebody or being stupid. And if that is the case, then great, because that's how we love Stan Lee anyway. But something tells me that it might be there might be just a little bit more meat to this cameo than than we normally get. We know? find out he's Uwatu. Right. That would be so cool. Do some interesting stuff. Exactly. Try to make sense of that Guardians of the Galaxy 2 cameo. Yeah. Be good. Yeah, that'd be fun. Staying in Marvel, man, we've been getting a lot of announcements from Disney Plus about, oh, we're going to have a Scarlet Witch and Vision show. We're going to have a Loki show. We're going to have a Bucky and Falcon show. And now, come to find out, we're going to have a Hawkeye show. Yeah. It's a one-season show. And I got to be honest, I don't know how I feel about that. I don't know what that implies because you and I have already discussed this. All of the characters who have their own show on Disney Plus have been dusted. Mm -hmm. And odds are they are all going to be coming back at the end of Endgame or in the middle or in the beginning of Endgame at some point. Right. But nothing like that has happened to Hawkeye. Mm -hmm. Does he end up dying in the end of Endgame? Is he our death? Would it make a difference? I don't know. If he's dead at the end, end game and he's the only death, I'm gonna be pissed. <laughs> Me because too. like that's not consequences. What I do appreciate about it is the fact that you know one of the big things about Age of Ultron everybody loves is the Hawkeye moments. You know that they kind of gave him a I'm sure. You know so and there's no telling on whether or not this is gonna be something a 
before or during. I think I honestly think this is going to be something that's after Avengers Endgame. You think so? I think so. And it'll be just really interesting to see his character. I feel like so- someone for like Hawkeye can really benefit from a TV show. You know what I'm oh, saying? Oh, I agree. That allows us to explore a little more. He's not having to go try to one up all these other heroes and stuff like that. Right. It. I mean, that sounds pretty good to me. You know, we got a cool. You know, some people may argue. Eh, I like the first two seasons of Arrow. All like the other too. seasons were like eh to me. But it'd be really cool if they kind of go down that route for giving us one solid, cool season to have Jeremy Renner as as Hawkeye. You know. I agree. I think it would be cool. I think the character needs to get a little more love in, than what he's been getting because, you know, yes, he has been in a number of movies since Thor, but he's always had just like the smallest of minimal plots. Yeah. Even in Avengers, when he was a larger portion of the movie, he was a mind-controlled, brainwashed bad guy, which means we don't really connect with him through the majority of the movie. No. Now, Avengers Age of Ultron, he does get a little more backstory built, which is great because he desperately needed it. I mean, when when Age of Ultron was happening, the same conversation happens every Avengers movie. Which one's going to die? Which one's going to die? Who's going to die? Think someone's going to die? I think someone should die. Mm -hmm. I want someone to die. Mm -hmm. Who's going to die? And it was always Hawkeye. Yeah. Hawkeye needs to die. Hawkeye needs to die. Then Age of Ultron comes out, and they're like, oh, my God, if you kill Hawkeye, it'd be like killing a puppy. (laughs) <laughs> don't kill Hawkeye. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then he went on, I think it was Jimmy Kimmel, and he did a cover of an Ed Sheeran song about how Hawkeye has powers too, and he's great at Mario Kart. It was great. <laughs> I awesome. loved it. But I would like to see this. I would like to see this very much. Yeah. Um, it's, it's interesting. All the shows, at the very least, sound interesting. And Hawkeye, for me, is a little bit more interesting than the Winter Soldier and Falcon show for me. Me too. So, you know. I'll be there. Because at least Hawkeye is a main hero where Winter Soldier and Falcon were they're heroes in the in Falcon, I have to try my best to get through that dude. Yeah. And I the thing is I feel bad for the actor because he's so excited to, and so energetic to be Falcon, but it's like that's what you expect because you're Falcon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and Winter Soldier, he's like just a brooding not Batman, so he just doesn't work for me. Yeah. You know, so I, it can all change with the show, and that's and that's what's cool about these these shows is that they're and and you know and that's the thing I feel the same way with Scarlet Witch, which is why with these shows coming out might give us the time we need to like spend time with them and to dig into their character a bit more. Well, that's been one of the problems that AMC has faced, and a lot of people have complained about is that that they have so many characters you can't possibly give everyone the screen time that they need to right. be relevant. Which is why exactly this is my point why why the shows are can hopefully turn that around, and I hope they do. I agree with you, man. I agree with you. Now, we're going to move from one Disney Plus show to another one. Show's called Monsters at Work. Okay? Yeah. If you ask me, aside from The Incredibles and The Incredibles 2, because they're just on an entirely different atmosphere of Pixar movie, Monsters, Inc. is my favorite Pixar movie. Comes in number three, and I love it. I love Monsters, Inc. I love it more than Toy Story. Clearly, it's my number three. But just to be able to be in that world, and that's partly why I like Monsters, Inc. Laugh Floor so much, is because you get to go spend time with the monsters. I think it's a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. So now in this show, we're going to start six months after Monsters, Inc.'s finished, right? And we're going to follow this guy named Taylor Tuskman. He's voiced by Ben Feldman, and he's a mechanic on the Laugh Floor. 
but he wants to be a monster. Like a, a scary a, monster, yeah. Or like a comedic monster. Okay. Right? He wants to be a comedic monster because this is when they're making people laugh. Laugh, yeah. And this makes me really happy because they're getting a lot of big name voice actors to come back. They got Billy Crystal to come back. Nice. They got John Goodman to come back and play Sully. John Goodman didn't come back to play Sully in Kingdom Hearts 3. So him coming back to this makes me so happy. I am hesitant to get excited to see Boo. Yeah. Because we very well may. And that would be tremendous. I would love it very, very much. Yeah. But you got a lot of people in this show, man. You got John Ratzenberger. Jennifer Tilly's coming back as Celia. Bob Peterson is coming back. And you're like, Bryce, who's Bob Peterson? It's Roz. (laughs) Mike Wazowski. Exactly. And you're like, so you're going to have Roz in this show too. No, you're not. You're going to have her identical twin sister, Rose. That's and that is brilliant. That is great. Oh <laughs> uh, no, man. I'm I'm looking forward to this, dude. If you ask me, I love I love the Incredibles and Monsters Inc. for me are still like neck and neck as far as the Pixar movies is concerned. But I'm I'm so happy that they're coming out with a show like this. Me too. You know, it's it's a really clever idea. And it's a good, and I think like this is going to be a show that obviously is meant for kids, but can obviously go both directions. You know what I'm saying? Oh yeah, and just like any good Pixar movie. I mean, Pixar is known for making child-friendly movies, but not kid movies. Right. And so I hope they kind of, you know, come at the the shows that they make with the same the same thought process. You right. know, and that's and hearing you talk about the quality of people coming back is just. It it speaks volumes without even getting Disney Plus. Well, and that's just the people who are coming back. Right. They've right. hired on new characters like Kelly Marie Tran. They've hired Henry Winkler, Lucas Neff, Alana Upbeck, Stephen Stanton, and Aisha Tyler. Right. And that's like, the cool thing. And there's no selling if it's a, if there's a room for a second season, you can't bring back even more stuff. Exactly. I don't know, man. It it's just great and has me pumped up for just Disney Plus as a whole. Me too. Me too. I I really couldn't be more excited for Disney Plus, which is why I'm so happy to talk about this next thing we're going to talk about is we finally have a bloody release date. Hallelujah. November 12th. November 12th, I am going to be at my house on my PlayStation probably, and I'm going to be purchasing for six ninety nine, Disney Plus, or they have the optional sixty nine ninety nine for the whole year. That's true. I might do that. I probably will do that because why not? It's a little cheaper. It so. ends up being a little cheaper, and for everything that you get with this, I'm gonna have it for at least a long time. I'll probably have it forever, but mm-hmm. it's not the point. Yeah, you get so much stuff, mm-hmm. right? You get all of the Marvel shows that we were just talking about, right? We actually got a name for the Scarlet Witch and Vision show. It's called WandaVision. Hmm. I got to tell you, I really hate it. Yeah. <laughs> now, I know that a name isn't going to make or break a show. No. But if you're like, Bryce, do you want to watch WandaVision? I say, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> Just based on that alone, no thank you. Yeah, no, I'm good. So, you have all of those shows. We did get confirmation, and you and I have been saying this, that this has got to be how it's going to be for ever, mm. but 
we finally have confirmation that all of the movie actors are coming back to play their parts in the TV shows. Right. So Loki's going to be played by Tom Hiddleston and right, right. so on and so forth. Fantastic. Disney Vault? What Disney Vault? They're changing things up, baby. They're shaking them up. There's no more walls. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, that's tremendous. I I can't tell you how aggravating it was. One night I went out for, well, it wasn't for very long because I found out exactly what was happening, but I wanted to buy The Lion King. Got in my car, got got dressed, got in my car, and went to Walmart. I'm like, oh, it's not out. Why? Oh, it's in the it's in the vault. What? <laughs> yeah. What? I was so upset. I I feel the same way as you. It's like, hey, you know what? I feel like I want to watch Pinocchio tonight. This sounds like uh, pretty fun. And then you realize it's vaulted and you don't have the, you know. Like for me, from right now, I've refrained from buying any of the Disney classic movies just because I know Plus is coming out. Yeah. So it's just been crazy. Like it's like an itch that you can't <laughs> scratch. And I'm like. Like you gotta wait, you know, right? Because it's I'm not gonna pay thirty bucks because it ain't cheap, right? Uh, for for the movie and and why do that when you know you're gonna be getting it for only six ninety nine a month in a couple of months? So it's just gonna be so nice to be able to just I feel like watching Pinocchio tonight. Bam, you got Pinocchio. It's gonna be so nice to be able to watch whatever it is you want to watch and have it right there. There is so much content launching mm-hmm. with this, like. I remember that was another thing that you and I spoke about was, hmm, we know that it's coming out. We know that it's going to open with a, a low price point, much much less than Netflix, probably nine ninety nine, so even less than what you and I were speculating. Mm-hmm. And then we said, how much content is actually going to be on there? Like, we assumed that the movies were going to be on there, like the Disney classics, right, you know? Right. But how much else is going to be on there? And then mm-hmm. we started hearing stuff like, Lady and the Tramp is coming, a, a remake that is exclusive for Disney+. Plus. Then we started hearing about The Mandalorian. Right. Then we started hearing about Monsters at Work. All this other content that's coming, I'm like, this is fantastic. Right. I can't wait to see all this stuff. I'm sure we're going to have to wait for a while. Well, there is so much just dropping with launch. It's insane. 500 movies. They were talking about, too, like you get to see the behind the scenes on how Frozen 2 was made. Like there's going to be a docuseries. Oh, they are going to have the behind the scenes. Yeah, they're going to have certain cool stuff. That is just so unique. You know what I'm saying? And so awesome, which is why I feel like like this is a no-brainer. You know, for for the price, they know that they they don't want to right off the bat start charging you 8 or $9. They're giving you an opportunity for people to buy in see the quality, which is really all that matters. Right. You know, the quality of the shows, how much content is coming out each month or every couple of months, and and for what you're giving right off the bat, you know? So I feel like this is a perfect way to launch. 7,000 different episodes of television. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. That's great. That's going to be all of, like, the old Zorro shows. It's going to be all of the old Disney Afternoon shows. It's going to be Phineas and Ferb, stuff like that. That's very exciting. A Phineas yeah. and Ferb movie's coming out as well. We haven't even talked about Lady and the Tramp. Like they showed like a little still from the live action Lady and the Tramp movie that they were gonna do in it. No, it's just like I said, if there's a way to launch. This is how you do it. You know what I'm saying? And then to exactly. know that the Mandalorian is gonna be their launch day. Launch day, baby. I mean, come on. That's nuts. How stupid are you to not be <laughs> like as soon as they make it available to buy, you know my money's there. Mm-hmm. Be there. I'm gonna 
I'm going to lose that night. I'm not <laughs> sure what's going to happen. I just know that I'm going to be there <laughs> binging however many episodes this epic is going to be. I can't wait. It's very exciting, man. Not only do you have Mandalorian on launch day. They said it's going to take them about a year, but they're going to finally get all of the Star Wars movies up there. Yeah. All of them. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if this is going to be on launch day or not, but this is something that I'm very excited about because I got to be honest, I was burned a little bit by Hulu. Jamie signed up for Hulu and they were scrolling through and I was like, oh, check it out. I haven't watched The Simpsons in forever. I'll watch some episodes like two episodes on there from season 30. I'm yeah, like, that got sucks. 30 years of The Simpsons. 30 <laughs> years of The Simpsons, baby. That's insanity. Yeah. That is so crazy. And it's great. And and that's the thing. For the price, for the quality that we're looking at so far, this thing is going to be a hit. And I can't wait. And going back to what you were saying about the behind-the-scenes stuff, it's something that is unique that other streaming services could do, like an ABC All Access or something like that, or like yeah. a DC Universe, but they don't. And the fact that Disney is doing it is very exciting because now you feel like, oh, hey, even though I didn't buy the DVD, I didn't buy the Blu-ray, I'm not missing out on anything. No. Because that was why you would buy the Blu-ray was to get the extra content, you know? Right. I know for certain movies, I'll probably go out and buy Blu-ray still for special ones, ones that I just would like a copy for. They're phasing but, them out, though. But, you know, th- and that's the point. It's Once this comes out, this is going to be great. And you're going to be able to turn it on whenever you want to, watch it from anywhere you want to, and I'm just thrilled about it. Me too, dude. Not only that, but they have some semblance of organization. Where Netflix is like, you want some TV shows? Okay, well, what can we have? Well, you have some stand-up here. We have some some existential horror like right next to it. Mm-hmm. There's no organization. With this, though, you're going to have five different categories. You're going to have Disney, Pixar, Marvel, Star Wars, and National Geographic. Disney just picked up National Geographic from Fox. That's very exciting because they have some wonderful documentaries. Dude, I'm 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 just like I can't wait. And I'm also very interested to see what that is going to mean for Disney nature. To be able to have like I mean Disney is Disney, but mm-hmm. to have kind of like the resources that National Geographic has, that's going to be really cool to be able to tie those two things in together. Well, you can make one that's maybe a little bit more kid-friendly and make, make one that is a little bit more adult-friendly. You know, National Geographic, you can show something getting ripped apart. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, that's the only way that I'm thinking to go. And I think the best thing, that, and that's tying in Netflix and Hulu and the DC Universe series, is that I think when, D, when Disney Plus comes out and the reviews come in and it's through the roof and it's everybody's fav, favorite streaming service, It's going to force Netflix, the DC Universe app, all these other companies that are trying to do their own thing. It's going to force them to raise the bar, you know? Right. And and to compete with the the titan that is going to be this new Disney Plus. So if anything, if we're all just fans of entertainment, I think this is just bodes well for everybody. So do I. I... How can this be a bad thing? No. You know what I'm saying? Other than we have to spend more a month. That's fair. Other than that, though, I'm saying is as far as quality and shows and just stuff that we can get for entertainment from all, whether it's Netflix or the DC Universe app or whatever, it's going to force everyone to raise their game, you know? And that's what I want. I hear you, man. I hear you. And now clearly this is the same for Netflix. It's the same for Hulu. It's the same for the, I think, for DC Universe. Uh, This is very important, though. 
because I figured that they might have them since it's six ninety nine. No ads. No yeah. ads. That just brings a smile to my face. Fantastic. Huzzah. Oh, man. What, what's going on here? I'm sorry, dude. We're down for refurbishments. All right. As always, let's start here in Magic Kingdom. The Walt Disney World Railroad is still closed. All three stations, Fantasyland, Frontierland, and Main Street USA, are not picking up any passengers. And for those who care, I have good news. On May 18th, the Tomorrowland Speedway is supposedly reopening. So that's very good for you guys, and it's coming up pretty quick. Currently, Epcot has no closures, but over in Hollywood Studios, we do have Pizza Rizzo and the ABC Commissary both being down. Now, Pizza Rizzo is going to be opening back up on May 4th, but the ABC Commissary isn't going to be opening again until June 2nd. There's no current closures in Animal Kingdom. Typhoon Lagoon is still open, and this is a future closure. Blizzard Beach is going to be closed for refurbishments from October 27th, but then it's going to be opening again on October 28th. Now let's fly out to California. The Sleeping Beauty Castle walkthrough, still down. We still don't know when it's going to be open, just a heads up. The Casey Jr. Circus Train is going to be closing on April 29th and opening back up on May 24th. Minnie's House is going to go under construction and go from April 29th as well, but that one's going to be much quicker opening back up on May 4th. The Storybook Land Canal Boats are also going down on April 29th, and they are also planned to open again on May 24th. And then over in California Adventure, Silly Symphony Swings, both the singles and tandem, are closed down. However, we do have a reopening date. That's going to be May 24th. Remember, we didn't know when those things were going to be opening last time, but now we have a date. And the red car trolley is also down. That closed on April 1st, and we're looking at a spring of 2020 reopening on that. Welcome aboard the Walt Disney World Express Monorail. On behalf of the cast of the Walt Disney World Resort, we'd like to welcome you to the Magic Kingdom. So now that we've talked about all of the entertainment news, let's talk about the parks. October is a very busy month for Magic Kingdom. Right. Mainly because you have the not-so-scary Halloween party happening almost every night. <laughs> it's not every night, but it's a lot. Yeah, yeah. You're familiar with the extra magic hours, right? Mm -hmm. When you stay on a resort, you get an extra hour at the beginning of the day or the end of the day. Right. Sometimes it's longer, sometimes it's not, whatever. But in October, as of right now, extra magic hours are held on Wednesday nights at Magic Kingdom for an extra hour, right? And it's going to be like that up until September 25th, and then there's nothing. So what a lot of people are talking about, now this is a rumor, so I just want to kind of throw that out there, but there's a possibility that during the month of October, there's going to be no extra magic hours at night, and it's all going to be early morning stuff for Magic Kingdom. Like, do you think that this could be a way that all of the rest of the parks go? Because you have those ticketed events now that are just, they seem to be just super popular mm. for those extra three hours at the end of the day. Right. You know, the after hours stuff. Like, do you think that this could be a way that the rest of the parks go and they just say, you know what, extra magic hour, first thing in the morning, period? Possibly. Yeah? Yeah. I mean, I mean, how do you feel about that? Like, do you think that you would rather have those extra hours in the morning or at night? I know for myself, 
I would rather it be at night. Oh, yeah. Because that requires you to have to wake up really early because the parks are already open like nine, averaging give or take an hour or two in, in either direction. But it's right. usually around that time. It's weird to think that it might be opening like at six <laughs> or five or something like that, which will be really weird. It's super early. But, I mean, then again, if you want to ride those rides and before it gets exactly. super hot. Right. And there are some cases where early morning, it's not terrible. Like the safari. The safari ride in Animal Kingdom Good point. is great first thing in the morning because the animals are so active. It's nice during the night, too, because it's not as hot and it's mm-hmm. just a different experience. But, mm-hmm. you know. You might get know. a little bit more activity with the lines and stuff, and it's like 6 o'clock at night. And at that time, as of right now, because of the time change, it's still a little bit dark. Right. It's like in between. You know, it's it gets light around 7 o'clock over here right now. So that'd be pretty sweet to, to see animals up and going around. So, yeah. That would be cool. It would be cool. And far be it from Disney to, you know, take money off the table or leave money on the table. Yeah. You know? So- I do think that extra magic hours are going to go exclusively morning. Now, keep in mind, this is just a rumor mm-hmm. and speculation. I have yeah, yeah, we're no just, idea we're what just, this is. Yeah, spitballing. But something that's not speculation is that Mr. Bob Iger is finally stepping down as the CEO of Disney. Yeah, big news. crazy. Yeah. Talked about Stan Lee being the end of an era. This is definitely an end of an era. Yeah. This man has taken Disney and just put his stamp all over this bad boy. I think some of the only complaints I heard about this was like everyone was like, he didn't add a fifth gate. Like that was his (laughs) thing. And it's like, would you rather there be a fifth gate or Disney be the titan that it is right now? And you kind of got away the fact that he has turned it, Disney, into already a well-oiled machine, already a, a very strong leader in as far as the entertainment, sports, everything. But now, people talk about Disney as in terms of taking over the world. Like, before right. that with Disney, that was never the case. Jokes like, oh, yeah, everybody loves Disney cult. It's more of like, you're a cult fan if you love, like, you know, right. like a cult sort of Disney fandom. But now it's like, are you going to join the empire? Like, like when is <laughs> Disney going to conquer, you know, Europe? You know, it's just that's just like what I think of now when you think of Disney, especially since now they've acquired Fox. So under his leadership, Disney has grown into just this titan in industry. Exactly. And going back to your comment of, oh, he didn't add a fifth gate. That's not technically true Mm. i mean no he did not add a fifth gate to orlando and would have been great sure but he did open disney shanghai right right so he took which i heard is great land which i heard is great yes man (laughs) yes like i would love to go out there so much so that they're bringing tron here yeah i I, as much as i love pirates of the caribbean and i really really love pirates of the caribbean i want desperately for them to to update and bring the Shanghai Pirates of the Caribbean to Magic Kingdom. I don't even care if it's in Chinese still. No. I don't even care if it's in Mandarin still. <laughs> You're just like, I'll take it. I want it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, let's just go over some of this stuff because he got brought on as CEO in 2005. And since then, let's just look at some of the stuff that he's done, right? Right. Fully acquired Pixar in 2006 for $7.4 billion. One year into service. All stock, though. Nice. So it yeah. didn't really cost them much. Right. Right? 2006, 
brought Oswald the Lucky Rabbit back into the fold. You know what he had to give away? Al Michaels. He is a past-his-prime sports announcer. I will take Oswald the Lucky Rabbit back. Thank you. Absolutely. Gave him to NBC. 2009, it's a big one. I required Marvel. Yeah. $4 billion. Probably his best move. Uh, Arguably one of his best moves. It has to be, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, look at the empire that Marvel is now. People compare it to Star Wars. I mean, they're like, oh, the MCU is this generation Star Wars. Just the cultural impact that it's had has been crazy. I agree. 2012, he acquired Lucasfilm for $4 billion. It's like, ah, MCU is like Star Wars, but what if we had Star Wars? <laughs> yeah. I would like Star Wars. I would like Star Wars, though. <laughs> and then so he went and got it. 2016, I already mentioned, he opened Shanghai Disneyland. Cost him $5.5 billion, right? Mm-hmm. So between opening Disneyland in Shanghai, Lucasfilm, and Marvel, he spent almost $13 billion. Right. But he has made so much money back for them. Then he acquired 21st Century Fox. We all know about that deal. That deal just went through. So he has done quite a bit in terms of entertainment and the properties that he acquired for Disney. That's been great. But then look at what he's done in the parks. Like I said, he got brought in in 2005. 2006, he opened Mount Everest. Mm. Expedition Everest. Everybody loves Expedition Everest, right? They've opened up the new Fantasyland. Pandora, World of Avatar. Yeah, yeah. Toy Story Land. They're opening Galaxy's Edge in a couple months. Yep, in California and Florida, so. Exactly. He has done so much. His contract right now is till 2021, right? So, like, his final stamp, his final hurrah, most likely is going to be Project Gamma and just refinishing the whole entrance of Epcot. Mm-hmm. Well, let's not forget the one thing that we did talk about, Disney+. Plus. I yeah, mean, that's true. I, you know, as as small as we think it is, everybody buying Disney Plus for s- seven bucks a month. I mean, Jesus, that's a lot of money. That's <laughs> a lot of money coming in from millions and millions and millions. You know, I don't know. It might even push billions of people who might jump on this. Oh, sure. But I mean, that's a huge thing because now Disney has control over all of their crap, and they're allowing people to see it, and at the same time get m- get money for it. I mean, that could be one of his biggest contributions no doubt and then think about this too he acquired marvel in 2009 and said we have it but marvel's not whole let me go and make an agreement with sony let's use spider-man now they're a little bit more whole again ah we're still missing x-men and fantastic four though i'm going to buy fox and brought those back in now it's going to take them forever to get into the mcu Mm -hmm. just in general but that's fine yeah. He made them whole. He has been just a prolific leader for Disney. You know, I mean, yeah. Disney only hires the best, but this man really went out and worked stuff. Yeah, yeah. He he did awesome, man, and sucks that he's going to be out. It does. It does. And it, we still have some time with him. Like I said, his his contract's up in 2021. Yeah. And, and it's funny because what he says is he's like, I'm expecting my contract to expire at the end of 2021. And I was going to say... This time, I mean it, but I've said it before. (laughs) I've been CEO since 2005, and I've said many times that there's a time for everything, and 2021 will be the time for me to finally step down. He was supposed to step down in 2018. Then he was supposed to step down in July of 2019. Right. 
like right after Galaxy's Edge opened up in California. Matter of fact, people thought that was the month it was going to open because, you know, you don't want to see your baby be opened by somebody else. That's that's you, you know? But no. And now he pushed it to 2021. So there you go. I'm excited to see what else he does, but I'm also excited to see what else somebody else does. You know, I hope somebody doesn't run this into the ground because this what is going to be like them. politics for us for like the next two years is figuring <laughs> out who's going to be running for office and who's going to be going for this. And we're going to be talking poli- Disney politics on, on here. Disney CEO watched 2019. <laughs> you can't really run with the make Disney great again. It's already great. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And to that end, I should say that at this moment, no replacement's been announced. Yeah. So I would be shaking in my boots if I knew who, if like, you know, you have to come up and try to beat this. Exactly. You know, because I think I feel I think it's fair to say that most people have been very pleased with him. And I feel and what's great now is, is that because he didn't make necessarily a fifth gate. You know, the next person's like, the only way to beat this is if I can figure out a fifth gate for Florida. <laughs> like i mean that's really the only thing you got going for yourself if you're thinking in that level exactly i don't know man this is exciting times it's exciting times i gotta buy the dc universe and make a fifth gate there you go (laughs) we're gonna buy warner brothers could you imagine dc and marvel under one yeah i'm gonna throw up let's just stop And now for this week's Hidden Mickey Hunt. A box can hold treasures, that is for sure. Box 15 belongs to Steven Tyler. B-O-X 15. That's where Mickey's seen. And look a little lower if you want more. Ah, are you checking in tonight? Welcome home. So, Chris, I think it's fairly fair to say that here at the Nocturnal Disney, you and I are fans of bars. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And we really do enjoy a nice themed bar, yeah? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I don't know how many people were asking for this or like, we want this, Mm -hmm. we want this. Yeah. But a Beauty and the Beast themed bar is coming to Grand Floridian at the Meisner's Lounge. Really? Yes. Wow. Of course it would be at the Grand Floridian. I know, right? <laughs> like only at the Grand Floridian. <laughs> like, I, Well, that kind of makes sense because I hear that they have like a special like tea like Yes, they have a lounge. high tea. Yeah, like, like you can have like a brunch sort of thing and- and I heard that, like, you know, a lot of their, they have lots of, like, you know, inspired, like, from Mrs. Potts and obviously, you know, like, the characters that are, you know, the objects in the in Beauty and the Beast, you know? Right. Now, construction on this has already started. Really? Yeah. So, they're going gung-ho. They're like, all right, here's the plan. Now, let's execute it. From the concept art, looks really cool. Yeah. Looks really cool. So is it going to look like the inside of the Beast's Castle? Is that what they're going for? They're going for the library from the new one. Yes, I agree. I don't know if you remember the library from the new movie. 
mm-hmm. but there's a big light fixture in the ceiling. They're going to have that over top the bar, wow. right? Again, this is from concept art. You're going to have a big marble bar. It looks really, really fancy, as you would expect being in the Grand Floridian. Yeah. If I'm spending $1,000 on a room on a night, and I know that's the case, what it is, it, I expect fancy. It <laughs> makes sense. It makes sense for some reason. You know, it just it just does. Exactly. I'm excited about it. I would love to just try it, you know, just- Oh, of course. Something that you got to cross off your Disney bucket list, you know? Well, and that's the great thing about the resorts, man. Like, even if you can't stay in them and you mm-hmm. can't, like, ah, I can't afford this, you can get down there and hang out at the resorts. Disney can... will still accept your money. Exactly. It's okay, they... guys. You don't have to sleep in their bed. You it's all green. Order their food and spend some money. <laughs> <laughs> now, where the Meisner Lounge is, it's on the second floor, right? Right. And right outside the walls there, they had the orchestra playing. Well, you obviously can't have the orchestra playing right next to a construction site. Right. So for the time being, what they did is they moved it downstairs. So it's now on the first floor. Okay. So it's not a big deal, but it is just a little bit of a change, mm-hmm. you know? So that's really it. I, for one, am very excited about it because now clearly I don't think this is going to be like Trader Sam's. No. Trader Sam's is just a fun bar in an entirely different way. But I do think that is going to have the same attention to detail. I kind of see this kind of going in the direction of uh, where it might be a little bit more less casual, like more dressy fat casual. Yes, exactly. And uh, which isn't bad. And what will no. be cool is if maybe you can, they'll do something special where you can get some of the stuff from Be Our Guest and start serving it there. You know, like, because, you know, resorts are known to do that. Like, Disney is known sure. to take certain things that is a hit elsewhere and kind of right. just put it. Not that they're going to put their main staples there, but maybe their appetizers or certain stuff, certain drinks from you, there. No, you're absolutely right. Because I, I was thinking, like, how how would you even go about doing that? Mm. But then I thought about it, like, yeah, you can do that because, like, they have Dole Whips in Magic Kingdom and they have Dole Whips at the Polynesian. Right. Boom, knock it out. So that would be interesting to put, like, S cargo or something like that. Some of your like the charcuterie plate, mm-hmm. the gray stuff. Like it just it, yeah, like it'd just be really cool to kind of just have some interesting themed. You know, like I said, appetizer it doesn't necessarily have to be like a full front like lunch dinner sort of right. thing. But I mean, it'd be cool to kind of experiment with that. I can see this place not necessarily maybe being like my go to spot, like beating Trader Sam's, especially when it's next door. Right. But this does sounds like a like a fun experience. You know. And that's the thing. It's a fun experience. It's another bar, which hopefully it's going to lighten the load on Trader Sam's. Because Trader Sam's constantly, man, 45, 50, 60, 120-minute wait. We all know that that's just specifically, though, for how Trader Sam's is. It, I think that's what it, it'll right. be. But, but it, think about this, though. Mm-hmm. Seven Dwarfs Mine Train is always packed. Right. Always packed. Until the new ride over in... Tomorrowland opens, once Tron opens, Seven Doors Mine Train, that wait line is going to plummet. Yeah. And you know how I know that? Toy Story Mania. Mm. Look at Toy Story Mania. 120, 145-minute wait lines for Toy Story Mania. It's a good ride. Not worth that. (laughs) Yeah. Now that Slinky Dog Dash and Alien Swirling Saucers is there, 20, 30 minutes, man, you can just walk right in it. Yeah. So- I kind of feel like that might be the way that this goes. Now, like you said, 
it's going to be a very different experience most likely. So you're not going to see such drastic changes as those wait lines at the parks. But I think you are going to see something different. It really does depends on how immersive they want it to be. Because sure. you, let's think about it this way. And this thought just came to me. You have pieces and furniture and cups that all talk and interact with people. So maybe you can have it tradition like Trader Sam's where you have everybody singing and calling curses on people and all that sort of crap and having zombies come out. But how cool would it be to have animatronics like sitting on the bar? You got Lumiere there. You got Clogsworth and that they're kind of talking and maybe interacting with people. That would be kind of cool. The waiters and waitresses maybe break out into a song here or there. I mean. It can't maybe won't be as like fun and jolly as you know you would be at Trader Sam's, but you can still have that same experience where it's kind of fun, you know, and not over the top, but still faithful to the adaptation. Yeah, man. And the thing is, Disney is great with that. Yeah. You know? And if you know, I'm thinking about it, in that resort loop, there are no other bars like that you have trader sam's and that is the only truly themed bar right like you have i believe it's called the outer rings bar at the contemporary right and yeah it, that's a bar mm. it's not like trader sam's no and so if you could have the beauty and the beast one trying to kind of rival trader mm-hmm. sam's a little bit yeah man good on you because you have something like jacques Lindsay's down at disney springs that's a theme bar. Mm-hmm. It's cool. Again, not Trader Sam's. Mm-hmm. And I wish the waiters and waitresses were a little bit more into Indiana Jones than what they are. Yeah. But, <laughs> but I mean, again, it's all about scenery, too. Like, if, if they can just make it a nice replica, make you feel like you're literally in the Beast Castle, I mean, yeah. it goes a long way. I mean, Edison doesn't do anything like that, but Edison is so beautiful and cool. Right. Jock Lindsay's hangar bar. Again, it could be a little more attentive, but just being in the bar itself and just right. being immersed in kind of like, you know, in, in this themed bar. There's a few things like raising a glass in a silo. Yep. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I'm looking forward to this, dude. Me too. Me too. And the fact that they're already in it, man, that's another thing that Disney's been getting crap from for years, It's especially from me. Slow. Yeah. They are slow. Oh, my goodness. But the fact that they're, like, they announced it and they're like, oh, hey, here we go. Like, oh. we're starting. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is unprecedented. Yeah. I like it. Nice. Keep it up, Disney. Now, Chris, have you been online recently looking at Disney news? No. Did something just drop? This is very exciting. <laughs> this is all live, people. I have never in a million years thought that a grapefruit could be sweet. But I also never thought that someone would name a garage after a grapefruit and then open it this past Monday. (laughs) It's tremendous. Yeah, that's good news. (laughs) I know it's a garage, people. But my God, is it important. It brought a tear to my eye. It's a little bit, a little bit. I'm tearing up right now. It is so good, man. I am so excited for this. I've never been more excited to park in a garage. Yes. <laughs> yes. Partly because I'm just, I know it's a walk, but I'm interested in walking across the bridge that they have yeah. going over the road. 
and it's going to drop you off right at Basins and your favorite part of uh, Disney Springs, the world of Disney. Yeah. <laughs> My favorite place. <laughs> it's okay. You got the, uh, the Wisco, what is it? The Politeful Pig right the, next door. Yes. So it's not, it's not terrible. No, nah, it's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> no, I am excited about this. And it's just like the other two that you have, the, the lime and the orange. Now you're adding the grapefruit. Now, the grapefruit, like you said, is across the street, so you are going to have to walk across the bridge. But, man, you know what? For extra parking in downtown Disney, I'm taking I would it. take a walk. I mean, that's the thing about Disney is, like, is that's the thing about Springs. It's like I wouldn't even mind a walk. Like, if I have to walk five or ten minutes, then whatever. Like, I'd rather right. do that than be sitting in the traffic and going around the circle that is Disney Springs, you know? There are a few things in life that are as, as exasperating as circling a parking garage trying to find a parking spot. It's, yeah, yeah. It's aggravating. It, you just kind of want to abandon your car right there and just be like, <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> Sir, you're quadruple parked. That's where it's staying. Don't care. Keep my keys. Blocking traffic. Don't care. <laughs> I don't care. Just take it. When stars are born, they possess a gift or two. One of them is this. They have the power to make a wish come true. Man, what a great trip. Let's relive it, huh? All right, buddy. Do you want to eat some cheap food first, or do you want to throw up that cheap food on a ride? Let's let's go on the ride. All right, let's go on the ride. <laughs> Animal Kingdom, is it fair to say that Dino Land USA is not your favorite area. I think that would be very, very <laughs> safe to say. <laughs> Primeval Whirl is a really fun ride. I really like this ride. It's not dinosaur. And you're going to be surprised. I like this ride a lot, too. Do you like it? I do. It is a good ride. It's not dinosaur for me, but I do really like this ride. It is, it is like a dad joke come to life, right? <laughs> I guess, yeah. Because it is super cheesy and corny just all of the time, and I love it. Yeah. I wouldn't want it any other way. To, <laughs> to be on the ride going up the mountain and having a dinosaur holding a sign that says the end is nigh as an asteroid comes plummeting through his sign, hysterical. So like an interesting take on Armageddon, you know? <laughs> just bring a smile to your face at the end of the world. All these animals died. It's so fun. It's really weird. But other than that, dude, like, I'm going to be honest. I only rode it once. Right. And it was because Mike and Renee were like, let's just ride it. Yeah. We were like, all right, we're there. We waited. How like long? Like an hour. Ooh. Waited really? like an hour for it, which is why I was kind of like, oh, this is going to suck. Like, but again, it was one of those days where it was like, we might as well ride it because Nothing everything else, else was filled up. So you, you might as well, we already ate, we already drank. We might as well just like wait in line. Right. And I really enjoyed it. Like, yeah. it's not like nothing special. Right. But it is fun. And as someone who doesn't care too much about that other ride across the street from it, <laughs> I liked it a lot. You know, hurt my stomach a little bit because right. I'm constantly, because, you know, those turns are sharp, dude. Sharp. And like that bar, they want you down really <laughs> tight on you. Well, if you have any slack, man, you'll go flinging out the car. Yeah, it's true. But uh, it's fun. I enjoy it. Me too. And it's it's a shockingly good time because if you look at it, you're like, that is a carnival ride. And I don't know if I want to waste my time on it. It looks cheap. 
You know, it looks like it looks like a lesser version of the Cheetah Chase, which is at Bush Gardens and the Cheetah yeah. Chase I've gone on and enjoyed. Right. Because I like that's the thing. As far as the ride itself, maybe we could describe it a little better for you guys. It's not a roller coaster in the traditional sense. You do go up, you do go down, but it's one of those that are kind of built with the really small tracks and it gives you that feeling effect that because it's turned so sharply right. that you're gonna tip over. That's what the selling point is on these on this sort of ride. Right, because it's not a train that you get into. It's essentially a saucer. Mm. And everyone's facing forward, so you have two people in one seat, you have a little divider, and then you have two people in another seat, and you go out and you go up the mountain, right? You go up the hill. Just, oh, the end is nine. It is a like a, a cheesy carnival way of showing that you're going back in time. Yeah. And then you go and you do the ride, and like you were saying, there are some hairpin turns in this. Mm. And because of the design of the cart being a saucer, like the lock that connects the cart to the the track piece, like it unlocks. And it allows your cart to spin freely. And it's a lot of fun. Yeah. And you get into some turns and it just whips you yeah. back and forth. It's nuts. Yeah. And if you're not expecting it, it whips you hard. And if you're easily nauseous, maybe this is not the best ride. Might not you know, be the best. Especially because you can control, like, you know, moving it around a little bit, like spinning and whatnot. Like, maybe it's not the greatest. Right. But it is fun. Like, for what it is, if you're going to wait and your kids want to go on it, I think you would have a good time. It is a very good kitty coaster. Yeah. And it's not a kitty coaster in the sense of, like, Slink Dog or Barnstormer. Personally, I find that there's more fun in this ride than Slinky Dog Dash or Barnstorm or something Barnstorm like that. Barnstorm is more nostalgic if you yes. do like it than anything. But yeah, this ride is for sure better than those. Yeah, I agree. What what wait time would you give it to someone who wants to try this? It's probably the best way. Because I think we're both going to give it a decent rating. But like, if you had to tell someone, hey, how long should you wait for this ride? Keep in mind it is Animal Kingdom and a lot of things are going to be pretty high wait times anyway, you know? Sure. Honestly, I would say like if you can see if you see this at like a 30, 35 minute wait, mm-hmm. jump on it. It goes yeah. really quick and it splits off into two different tracks. So it's not it's never really an excessively long wait time. Yeah. Sixty minutes, dude. That's insanity. I can't believe you ran across a sixty minute wait on that. Yeah. But in that case, it's not terrible, especially when you take into consideration, oh, Mount Everest is 75 minutes. Dinosaur is 50. A 50 minute wait on dinosaur is a travesty. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. As much as I love dinosaur, if it's anything over like 10 minutes, I'm like, see you later. It's a bit much. (laughs) What about you, man? Like, what is the wait time? Because, I mean, I waited waited the 60. It wasn't bad. If you have the time and you're like, you're just free flowing, because that's how, that's the difference between me and you. It seems like you go to Disney. You kind of have a schedule you would like to keep as far as like what rides, what parks you like to be at. For me, I'm more free flowing. I just go wherever I want to go. We just kind of make it up as we go. If if you're entering Magic Kingdom and everything is kind of just the average wait time, which you know usually is on the higher end of things. Sure. Yeah, I would say keep. I would say ride it. You know, because it if you got like a 45, 50 minute wait, maybe not. You know, like well, here's the thing: at a 45, 50 minute wait. You're not going to be upset. Right. Like, just like you, you waited an hour, mm-hmm. and you're like, 
I like the ride. Mm-hmm. I had a good time. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. where like if you find a 30, 35 minute wait, you're like, boom, do it, do it, do it. Mm-hmm. But like a 45 minute, 50 minute wait line, it's not awful. No. And but the thing is, too, is also the time of day you go and ever. But if you see freaking if you see Yeti and it's about an hour, definitely go to Yeti. Like if it's if they're right. comparative wait times, jump on Yeti. Yeah. Yeti but, is a better ride. Right. But. This is a fun ride. Yeah, and that's the thing. You're not going to be disappointed. It's outside, so you know it's a little different. You know, you're right. you're out in the sun. It's just really lighthearted, and it's stupid for what it is, and it knows it. And right. that's why I kind of appreciate about it. You know, exactly, man. Me too. So, if you're going to star rate this, Chris, what are you thinking about? I would give it a. I would give it a. I don't know, man. I would give it a three point five. It's exactly what I would give it to. Because yeah. it, it is better than Slink Dog Dash or Barnstormer or something like that. It's got more thrill to it. Man, If I've seen 10-year-old kids or like just 10-year-old kids, like small kids. I've seen small kids riding this ride, and they just have a blast. Yeah. Just the, the happy faces they have when they get off this ride. It's stupendous. Right. I agree. And so, yeah, man, 3.5 I think is a good a good spot to hit it. Not to mention, and I, I don't know if everybody likes this, and seeing as you get off right where you get on, it could get a little annoying if you're paying attention to it. But when you're on the ride and you come to the end, it's like, thanks for riding. Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I think it's great. Um, Yeah, so that is our score for Primeval World. Now, Chris, let us have some fairly cheap food. <laughs> yeah. Over at Magic Kingdom, sometimes you don't want to spend the money to eat at Princess Cinderella's royal table. Yeah. Right? Sometimes you don't want to dine with the dogs at Tony's. Yeah. You don't want to eat at the plaza. Pooh Bear, I say nay nay. Get away from me. <laughs> sometimes you want to eat with an Alf knockoff as long as he plays the piano. You're going to Cosmic Rays. I'm going to be honest, I go there quite a bit, and I'm sure you've been there at least once, obviously. Yeah. We wouldn't be doing this. Yeah. What has been your experience with going to Cosmic Rays? I've only been there once. Okay. And I went there when me and Raylan were dating, and it was more of just like a last minute. We were there late. There was really nothing else open. Like, you know, it, this is our last chance to grab dinner, so we went there. Right. It can be a bit overwhelming walking in. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the first of all, like the theming and everything is kind of bland. It, you can tell it's kind of dated. Like it can use it can use a little bit of upkeep, you know? Well, that's that's the problem with those like lands of tomorrow. Yeah. They are never mm-hmm. up to date. No. And that's the thing. It, it's keeping in continuity, like you said, with everything else outside. But inside it's kind of bland. The colors are like, eh. But what kills you and throws you off is the multiple lines around this place. Yeah. And the interesting is each line, it is it is something different. Some of them is chicken. Some of them is beef. I think, I, think, I don't yep. know if there's like a vegetarian option. I don't know if there Salads. is. Salads. Salads. Right. So there's multiple lines. And what's interesting is, is that a lot of them, this place is packed because for the price- and I would say the portions are decently sized. They're not giving you nothing. So Exactly. The portions, the variety, and 
for as overwhelming as the line situation is, they move you pretty quick. Yeah. And so the way it's set up is when you walk in, you walk up to like a center bay area and you have three different bays. You have bay one, which is chicken, I believe. Bay two, which is the beef, you get your hamburger and stuff like that. And bay three, like I said, was salads. Now they've changed that to mobile dining, mm. which for Cosmic Rays, man. Is great. Oh, it's awesome. Mm. You can't go wrong with mobile dining. It is great. You're sitting on Space Mountain. You're like, ah, oh, you know what? I'm hungry. I'm feeling a bit peckish. Cosmic Rays, I'm going to get a hamburger with cheese. All right, let's yeah. send it off. And then- you ride the ride, you get done. Like, oh, hey, by the way, your burger's done. Fantastic. I'll be there in five minutes. Yeah. And then there's nobody in that line because that technically that bay is closed, but again, it's for all for mobile ordering, so it's yeah. perfect. Yeah, you're not having to wait, and that's the best thing about mobile ordering. Yeah. I would say, though, the downside to this place is if you go in and you're married or you got kids, man, and you all want something different, let's say you're one kid doesn't want a burger. One kid wants a pulled pork sandwich. One kid wants a healthier option, whatever. Or if it's even if it's just you and your wife or girlfriend, you guys have fun being split up because that's what's going to yeah. happen. You know, unless you're one of you guys are willing to, you know, just to be like, all right, I'll have a burger tonight. It's, you know, right. You guys are going to be separated, which, you know, it's not crazy. But for some people, I know it is, you know, and, and it, the place is busy. So it's easy to get lost. Oh, yes. Easy for you to lose people in the crowd. That's what I'm saying. Not get lost, but lose people. There's a few times where I've been like, all right, Jamie, if we get separated, meet me at this trash can in five minutes. (laughs) And she's like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) So let's talk a little bit about the atmosphere. Because we talked about the food. We talked about the lines. talked about the atmosphere. You've already said it's a bit dated, and you're right. It is. Uh, It's also one of the only restaurants that I know of that has an animatronic. Yeah. And for as cheesy as it is, it is pretty funny to listen to, you know? Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. It's it's just something there to look at. And, yeah. and you know, you can kind of appreciate that, you know? It's like a cross between Jay Leno and <laughs> the old McDonald's guy. Yeah. I like him. I think he's entertaining. He's got about 15, 20 minutes worth of material. And he does play songs and whatnot, so that's really nice. Right. But it, it reminds me of, like, the Sci-Fi Cafe and how they only play a certain number, about 20 minutes worth of commercials, and then you're like, all right, I've seen this, now I'm going to leave, mm-hmm. uh, because it just helps people move along. Right, You know, right. keep the- Wait times down. Exactly. You know, it's a counter service restaurant, so I've, you know, you don't have to worry about the service or anything like that. There's nothing really wrong with the restaurant, you know? Mm-hmm. You know, the staff is always nice when you have to interact with them mm-hmm. and this and this and that and that. Well, if I have to say, I think the only thing that we should talk about maybe is the food, you know. It, it is everything. How how much would you say the price is for your burgers? And it comes with fries, right? So if you get a burger, yeah. you get your fries and stuff like that. Me and Jamie go in there, get a Coke, walk out like 32 bucks. So yeah. it's You're- still a pretty hefty price, but it is a counter service. And the counter service... The counter service at Disney, it's always been, I've always had a weird relationship with it because Disney food, people talk about Disney food with admiration and adulation and mm-hmm. Disney food is incredible. If it's not made by Disney, you haven't had this yet. Like it's put on a pedestal. Mm-hmm. And then so when you have 
a hamburger that like oh it's it's Angus beef like uh, you sure because mm-hmm. it tastes worse than a Bubba burger well, that I had last right, week. Right, that's what I was gonna say. You know, I would the only way I can really recommend this place is if you are on a move and you're fast and you and you know you just need to have something to eat. You're in the middle of the day at Magic Kingdom. Like the ideal is you need it for lunch. Hey, yes. we just got finished. I'm starving. I would like to get something. Place your order ahead of time. If not, you know, you got to wait through the line. When you're spending like 30 something dollars, you know, it's hard to recommend it because there are other better places to eat in Magic Kingdom. Personally, I would rather go to Pecos Bills. Right. You know? Right. Is even though that is counter service food, it feels like it's a little better quality. Yeah. You know, but the counter service food mm-hmm. is all about the same. Yeah. And that's the thing you got to realize. Your burger is going to be nothing special. It's going to be well done. <laughs> same thing with your chicken and everything else. It's very basic. Their fries are nothing to be uh, about. They're, they're fries. They're not seasoned. There's nothing really special about this. So it's like you got to weigh it. If if you're in a pinch and you want to hurry up and eat, do it. So if you're right then and there, absolutely it's a recommend to go because the food isn't atrocious. It isn't bad. Right. It's just bland. You know, it's essentially a $30 cafeteria is right. what and, it is. And that's the thing. When you're spending 30 something dollars, I would go to Harbor House, go to yes. somewhere else and just pay pretty much the same, if not a little bit more and get yourself a nice lunch. But if you're in a pinch and you got to hurry up, this is not a bad option. It's not a bad option. No. And it is cool. Like, you know, if it's a hot day in Florida, which it is 95% of the time here, it's cold in the in, in, on inside. And, you know, there's lots of seating, you know? There is a lot of seating, and that is nice because, I mean, we've already talked about it. The, the lines in there are always crazy. I've never gone in there and been like, oh, wow, it's a slow night tonight. Like, yeah. <laughs> it always looks like a nightmare for the workers. And to their credit, they're always still very, very nice. As far as, like, a recommendation for it, like a star rating, I couldn't. I can't really say you have to go here. Mm -hmm. Like you said, if you're hungry and you're like, I just got to get something, it works. And kind of a negative that you were bringing out is the options. And that also works as a benefit to them as well, though, because you do have options. You don't have to just get a burger. You don't have to just get a chicken sandwich. You can get pulled pork. You can get a salad. You can get a number of different things that you might not be able to get at other places, and that's nice. The noodle shop. If you ever get a chance, go to the noodle shop, man. That is good. Go check it out. In any case. But if I were to give this a star rating, honestly, I'm giving it like a two. Yeah. Yeah, I would probably you? I would probably just give it a three, just a solid three, because it's just for what it's what what I feel I feel like it serves its purpose for what it's supposed to be, which is supposed to be a counter service restaurant, and it's just a strong three. You know, the food isn't bad, but it's also not good. You know, it's in the middle. But if we've already established that there are other counter service restaurants mm-hmm. that have better quality food, right? I can't. I can't say, oh, it's a three, because it mm-hmm. it does what it's it does its job. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you did your job, but you did the bare minimum well, of your well, job. Well, I'm also thinking too. Like I said, the only way I can recommend this place, and I'm going to be honest, if I'm going to rate this, and maybe I should say this too, like the only way you can, I could recommend it is if you are in a pinch. So right. I wouldn't say go to this place, just like, you know, go to it, which I'm 
<laughs> now that I'm thinking about it, yeah, that's what we're saying. <laughs> so, yeah, I agree with you. So then in that case, I will lower it. I'll lower it to a 2.5. Right. Not a 3. Um, be, just because. If you're in a pinch, you need to go there. Yeah, but if we're just basing it, like, you know, just giving it a rating, yeah, you're right. It, it should be somewhere to 2.5 is not bad. Yeah. And that's the end for this week anyway. We wanted to say thank you all for listening, that you can find us on YouTube, Twitter, Tumblr, SoundCloud. You can also find us on Digifox Studios Network, the Fox Playbox. Just type in foxplaybox.com and you can find all the shows in our network. If you would like and favorite this episode, we would greatly appreciate it. It does get us up through the ranks so more people can find our show. If you would be so kind as to leave a comment, you know, if you leave us a five-star rating, we'll, we'll read it out on the show for you. That'll be always hurt. nice. doesn't hurt people. It doesn't hurt. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> Plus, it makes my fragile ego feel very nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We take constructive criticism, guys. Exactly. And guys, from the very bottom of our hearts... Thank you for listening to Nocturnal Disney Podcast. Bye-bye. <laughs>